RadioInfluence.com. You are sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of City Ringside. My name is David Penzer, and we are so happy, as always, that you are here to listen to this thing we call a podcast. Shout out to my buddy on Twitter who picked up on that line and uh, said he enjoyed listening to this thing we call a podcast, and I uh, appreciate that. I've only been saying the same open for two years, and finally somebody picked up on it. So God bless you. Uh, but... Uh, I'm, I'm superstitious, so I, I'll always, I always do the same open and uh, always try to do the same clothes and knock on wood about a thousand times a day, but that's a different story. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Uh, we are so excited. We had mentioned uh, possibly getting some big names, and uh, I am so excited for this week's guest. Uh, he is not only a huge wrestling fan who has ties to uh, the pro wrestling business through the fabulous Freebirds and that song, but uh, he is the... Uh, guitarist. He's original member of Leonard Skinner. Uh, then he walked away to find Black to uh, be the founder of Blackfoot, uh, which went on for about twenty years to uh, to have a great career, and then ended up back for the last twenty five years as a guitarist for Leonard Skinner. I'm talking about Ricky Medlock, and uh, we're so excited to have him. We're going to talk a little music. We're going to talk a little Skinner. We're going to talk a little a lot of wrestling. And uh, he's a big fan, and I think you'll uh, you get a kick out of his uh, his story for sure. Um, I was in Sturgis, South Dakota. We were there for uh, obviously for Road Wild, and a whole bunch of us got invited to uh, to go see Leonard Skinner. They're playing at the uh, campground that they have all the big concerts at the week before the Sturgis. Uh, con- they have like concert every night. Um, trying to think of the name of the uh the campground but it really doesn't matter it's pretty famous though uh so me and kidman and and dean malenko and there's probably 12 of us that uh went together and we went and uh and and we got to stand in front of the stage before the the in the pit where the photographers were and you know that was like a lifelong dream people say hey you know what how are what are some of the cool things that you uh you got to do being involved in the wrestling business and other than being involved in the wrestling business which was a super cool thing uh the couple things that stand out were uh were walking the red carpet and and being a part of the premiere and the after party of ready to rumble at man's chinese theater in la and the build-up to that we've talked about with david arquette sitting on the roof of the la hilton uh drinking vodka with uh, uh david arquette and canyon uh leading up to that and then, then i think about getting to know the guys in leonard skitter and especially ricky medlock and that's where we met him and and we they welcomed us into the uh, the locker room after the show. Uh, they were thrilled as hell. We were thrilled as hell. Uh, it's like a bunch of uh, uh, of marks on both sides. Not, not not to say that in a negative way. And um, and so I remember uh, Ricky gave me his uh, his manager's card uh, and said, "Hey, you know, if you're ever around and uh, or if you know if we're ever around and want to see wrestling, uh, why don't you give my manager a call? Our manager a call." So his manager's name was Steve, I believe. Not that it makes a difference. So I did, and we did, and then we exchanged. When cell phones became a thing, we exchanged uh, phone numbers. And uh, I'll never forget uh, the weekend that the Super Bowl was in uh, uh, Atlanta, where I was living at the time, working for WCW, probably 1997, 1998. Uh, 
they were staying at the Ritz in Marietta. And so they invited me to come over and go up to their suite. We had, we had gotten together a bunch of times uh, between uh, Sturgis and, and, and this time. And uh, one, one time that we'll talk about with Ricky when him and ZZ Top pulled into uh, the Astrodome before a night show in ZZ Top's tour bus, which is a whole different story. And uh, making, a, yeah, making that happen was interesting. Doug Dillinger was not exactly my friend that day, but hey, you know, we made it happen and it was a blast for all involved. But anyway, went up to their, their suite in the, the Ritz and, and, and had a couple drinks with them. And then they said, hey, hop on the, the tour bus. We're going to play uh, the Fox uh, reunion because they had the album live at the Fox Theater in Atlanta and they were doing a reunion uh, uh, back at the Fox Theater. So I rode with them uh, in their tour bus, had a cocktail, uh, listened to them tell stories and uh, just like a kid in a candy store. And then um, never forget um, myself and Bill Goldberg and my wife and Jeff Foxworthy, of all people, stood on the side of the stage at the Fox Theater and watched the entire show of their return to the Fox, which was amazing. And uh, and and what an honor that was. And so we've stayed in touch. And I always in the back of my mind thought, hey, you know, if we could ever grow this thing to where uh, we get some credibility, uh, I'd love to get Ricky Medlock on the on the podcast. And so uh, he is going to be here in just a moment and uh, still a huge wrestling fan, like I said. And uh, as a kid, for me, uh, I was not a Leonard Skinner fan. I was young. But uh, one day this music came on and these three guys in these flamboyant, flashy outfits came on uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling and Freebird was playing in the background. God, I still watch that promo every once in a while, that first promo where they introduced themselves as the fabulous Freebirds. And I was hooked. Uh, not only was I hooked on the song, and we'll talk with Ricky about it a little bit later because I had never heard the song before, but I went out and bought the album, and I played it till uh, it was, you know, you remember old albums where you keep playing it over and over and over again. It started, you he- started hearing scratches on the album. Uh, but... Um, not only was I became a fan of the song and the band, but I became a huge fan of the fabulous Freebirds, something that Michael Hayes ribs me about to this day. My number one fan, he says, whenever I see him. But uh, uh, I should have never told him that. But anyway, uh, so what, what a great come full circle moment to be able to not only get to know the guys, and, um, and they're all fans in one way or another, uh, I know Johnny Van Zant, the lead singer, is a huge fan, and uh, to a lesser extent, Gary Rossington and Billy Powell, uh, rest in peace, uh, uh, were huge fans as well. And Huey Tomlinson, who was with them for a while, who was the uh, original guitarist for the Outlaws, nicest guy in the world, other than Ricky Huey Tomlinson. So, God bless you, man. God bless you, Huey and uh, and and Billy. And um, and uh, so, without further ado, uh, it's my honor, ladies and gentlemen, to introduce to you. Uh, the founder of the band Blackfoot, one of the quote-unquote original members of Leonard Skinner, and he found his way back 25 years ago and has been back ever since. Ladies and gentlemen, you can see him playing Freebird and all the hits whenever Skinner comes to town, and he's a huge, huge wrestling fan. We're honored to have him on the podcast, so welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Skinner's own Ricky Medlock. Ladies and gentlemen, this week on City Ringside, we are honored to have an old friend of mine. He was a huge WCW fan in the mid-1990s during the Monday Night Wars. Uh, 
interested to find out uh, if he was a wrestling fan growing up and also if uh, he's a wrestling fan now, but we will talk to him about that. Also, the founder of Blackfoot and guitarist for Leonard Skinner for about a quarter of a century now. Do you believe it's that long? Ricky Medlock, welcome to City Ringside. Hey, brother. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. It's been 25 years. Could you believe it's been that long? Well, you know what, man? I can believe it, and it seems like it's gone <laughs> seems like the flash uh, flash of the eye you know that, that all of a sudden you're into something man and you're having fun and you're going forward in your career and the next thing you know you're 25 30 years down the line and you go wow where did the time go you know what i mean so yeah, uh, absolutely pretty, pretty the, the only that not not to start on it not to start on the negative but the only sad part though is getting to know you and and the guys in the band is unfortunately uh you know there's so many that uh that that since I got to know you a little bit you know not like I'm, we're uh you know best friends with the band but uh so many cool guys that we lost so Billy Powell and and so many guys so that's that's the one negative we'll hit on at the beginning but uh but yeah uh uh it's been a uh it, 25 years has gone quick for everybody well, I tell you, it's, um, you know what, I've spent my, I've actually spent my whole life, you know, uh, touring and being in music. I mean, I grew up in a music family, started playing, uh, started playing at the very early age of three years old uh, with my grandfather on country music shows and all that stuff, playing a banjo. And he taught me, uh, you know, he's the one that really taught me the love of music and the, the art of it. And, uh, you know, along the way, picked up playing guitar and drums, and which I was able to use uh, in my life, you know, coming up through the ranks. Uh, as a matter of fact, you know, I started out playing drums with Leonard Skinner uh, in the early 70s for about two and a half years, three years or so. And then, you know, went back playing guitar and been on the guitar ever since. But the love of guitar, I, I mean, that has been my that has been my big passion my whole life is playing guitar and um, I still enjoy it as much or more today than, you know, than I ever did. But, uh, you know, it is sad to turn around and look, <clears throat> pardon me, and see all these great talented guys that, you know, that was in the band and uh, for one reason or the other uh, come to an end, you know, I mean, starting way back, you know, in 77 with the plane crash that took right. the original singer Ronnie Van Zandt and Steve Gaines and Cassie Gaines. And now coming up, through the, the, you know, through the years, uh, you know, right when I got back with the band in 90, 90, uh, 95, 96, the first one to leave us, you know, after I'd gotten back was Leon. The original right. bass player who died in 2001. Man of a, man of a, thou man of a thousand hats. The man of a thousand hats, yes. Lost him in 2001, then all of a sudden, you know, six years later, you know, we lose Billy and the bass player that took, you know, that come in with for Leon. Ian Evans, we lost him in, you know, 2007. Uh, I mean, boy, just, you know, it's just one right after another, you know. And lately, of course, we've had the scare with Gary, one of the reasons why we're doing this farewell tour is one of the big reasons is that uh gary just don't want to do the uh 80 to 100 shows a year that the band was used to doing and uh, what he'd rather do 
uh, doing this farewell tour, you know, is just pullback from all the massive touring uh, every year. And so what we're, the band's going to stay intact as a band. We're not breaking up, but probably after this year, and maybe it might roll into a little bit in 2021, but after that, we're done as far as the real massive 80 to 100 shows a year. Probably what's going to end up happening is, is we'll do residencies somewhere where the fans can come and enjoy the band uh, in a in a nice atmosphere. Uh, I know there's talk about us doing one in, we're already looking at doing one in Orlando uh, this year, trying it out to see how it works. Uh, we're going to, you know, they're already talking about us doing one in Vegas, kind of like what Aerosmith is doing and, and sure. uh, doing uh, doing doing them other places like in Germany and Spain and the UK. They're starting to do these things a lot now. So the, right. the band parks themselves and the fans come to the band, you know, and see them in a comfortable setting. And it's more comfortable for the band. You know, you play your gig, you go up and uh, you go to bed, you know, and, and, and get ready for the next one. So <laughs> in a, I thought in a, I, I thought. I bet you 30, 40 years ago, you'd have never said to play your gig and go up and go to bed, huh? No, we never was used to doing that. We played the gig, got on the bus, stayed up till daylight, and then went to bed, you know? (laughs) Or at least tried to go to bed. There you go. So uh, we're going to get to wrestling in a second. I was going to start out with it, but you you talked about your your grandfather and his influence, which uh, your father and his his influence, and uh, uh, wanted to touch on that. Um, so you mentioned that you played in Leonard Skinner in the early days. Uh, did you see the potential at all back then of the legend that Skinner, or for that matter, your band Blackfoot would become decades later, like you said, uh, doing uh, residencies and stuff like that? Or was it just a bunch of kids playing music, hoping for a break at that point? Well, I got to tell you, I think that it was a group of teenagers, you know, that everybody was you know, people played instruments and, you know, and we loved playing music and we loved performing. And I knew that I did from an early age. And when we got together, of course, you know, you get into it and you go, man, I'm hoping that, you know, this works out where I can just play music to make a living. Back then, you never thought of being, you know, rock stars or or what it would become or, you know, that whole thing you just kind of put your best foot forward and said wow i want to make a living at doing this i know for myself that's what i wanted to do was be able to pick up my guitar and my amp walk into a place set it up play and at the end of the night get paid you know some kind of chicken feed and you know end up walking out but little did we know uh as being a garage band or or a band at hell house or whatever uh, little did we know what would become you know what i mean and here we are now here we are now um you know at this stage of the game and we just turn around and we look back at it we go wow you know we went against the odds we had talented people and one of the the most talented guys you know that uh that i had been associated with in all this time of course was ronnie van zandt and the guy was just a genius at writing songs, uh, creating, you know, and the band creating it together. And uh, the way he would, the way he would put things into lyrics, and the way he wrote his lyrics was just genius. 
And uh, it was something everybody could relate to. He wrote about real stuff. Uh, and he just had this mental, this mindset that I like to say that there are very few uh, songwriters that can do this. They're like an artist sitting down at an easel. They sit down and they write lyrics and their lyrics that they write actually paint a picture for you in your mind. And uh, when you get somebody like that, that's that talented that can do that, uh, you're, you've got a, you're, you're tagging onto something pretty special. And uh, you know what? I always loved working with Ronnie. I had some great moments with him. I ended up leaving Skinner because I thought that they needed a better drummer than me. I mean, the guys loved how I played. Uh, they loved that I had this real soulful, uh, down-to-earth feel to my drumming, which fit them. But I felt they needed somebody a little bit more powerful, uh, with a lot more stamina. Uh, you got to realize only, you know, back then, and I still do now, I only have one lung. And I got a, a, res- oh, geez. I got a respiratory illness that's, uh, is kind of generic form of cystic fibrosis. And uh, <clears throat> so back then, you know, I knew they needed somebody of a better caliber. You know what I mean? And I opted out, and Ronnie said he understood. Uh, I stayed in touch with the guys. And when they made it, when their first record came out, and they made it, I was honestly, I was happy for them, you know? And uh, sure. I remember my granddaddy, you know, I was raised with my grandparents. So when I say pop or dad or mom or whatever, really was my grandparents. And I owe it all to them. And I remember when I was trying to make the decision to leave, I asked my old man, you know, what he thought, you know, and he says, understand something. He goes, there's something uh, very, very special about those guys and especially that singer, Ronnie. He said, I've come to, I've, I've grown to really love these guys while you've been there. And the reason why he said that was, was because Ronnie, Gary, and Alan and myself would, you know, would be on my parents' front porch at their old house. And my dad, you know, he would sit with his dobro and play the blues uh, for Ronnie and, and Gary and Alan. And wow. if you listen to the lyrics of Curtis Lowe, uh, he used to play an old dobro, used to play it across his knee. Ronnie took the inspiration of my granddad and created, along with another old blues player, he created what you are now hearing as Curtis Lowe. And uh, Ronnie loved my old man, and, and so did Gary and Allen. I mean, so they dedicated the Nothing Fancy record to him, even dedicated wow. another song called Got It Made in the Shade, because the old man used to look at us boys and say, you know, you guys, you boys keep doing what you're doing. One day you're going to have it made in the shade. And uh, so, you know what? Looking back on it now in history, uh, I could have been there. Uh, there was uh, the probability if I'd stayed, I would have been there uh, during that disaster. Uh, it, You know, I remember Ronnie invited me to go and fly with them. He said, we got our own plane. Come ride with us for a week. Uh, you can hang out with us and maybe uh, jam with us on some songs and, and do whatever. You know what I mean? Um, sure. At the last minute, uh, when they left to go on that tour at the last minute, uh, I was already back with Blackfoot. And, and I, my agency, 
the agency for the band called and said, I have shows for you guys for the next couple of weeks. And that kept me from going on that trip. And wow. um, as fate would have it, and it was kind of an interesting deal. Uh, later on, when I got back with Leonard Skinner, our first tour over in uh, Europe, we were in London, England, and had played a show, and we played it, the show, right on the anniversary of the plane crash. And Gary that night looked over at me so serious, and he goes, tell me something, Ricky. Where were you? And I said, uh, what do you mean, Gary? What are you, what are you talking about? He goes, where were you on that day? And I knew exactly what he was talking about. Then I said, Gary, as <laughs> as life would have it, fate would have it, I was right up the road in Columbia, South Carolina, getting ready to play that night as you guys left, Greenville, South Carolina. And oh, um, so, you know, uh, and he looked over at me and he says, well, you know what? Uh, and I kept telling Gary, I said, you know, Gary, I've always felt maybe if I'd have been there, I could have said something and maybe made, made something change or whatever. He goes, Ricky, you weren't going to change Ronnie's mind, you know? And uh, Ronnie was, he wanted to get on that plane and go. And uh, that everybody followed the leader. And uh, that's what they did. And um, so for me personally, uh, it worked out the way it's supposed to. Gary said, Ricky, it was for you to be here then, right now instead of then. It was meant for you to be here now. And uh, that's been almost 25 years ago, you know? They say they say everything happens for a reason, and that's, a, that's an amazing story, and uh, it shows exactly that. Today's episode of City Ringside with David Penzer is brought to you by CBS Sports HQ, the brand new streaming sports news network. It's 24-7 and costs you absolutely nothing. That's right. Zero zilch. Nada. It's sports coverage that's always on and always free. Always. And I turned it on a couple of days ago. I was sitting in my office and I decided to check out what was on CBS Sports HQ. So I put it on. And Pat McAfee, who is uh, uh, awesome, if uh, if you don't know who that is, Google him. And uh, he has a podcast and he's involved in WWE. And uh, he does a lot of, uh, used to be the punter for the Indianapolis Colts. But uh, he was on giving his take on football. And then it's something cool that happens on the bottom of the screen. You have a scroll that you could click on the top stories for the last hour uh, that you missed. So I clicked on some fantasy. Who do I pick up and who do I drop for my fantasy playoffs? Knock on wood. And um, and then I saw that there was some baseball talk from the baseball meetings. And I wanted to see where a certain players might go. So it was all right in front of me. And it was a really cool experience. It cost me nothing. And it was right there. Pat McAfee talking football. Dave Richard and Jamie Eisenberg talking fantasy football and then uh, baseball report from the winter meetings all right there. And that's because CBS Sports HQ is coverage always focused on the game. Tons of highlights, breaking news as it happens, fantasy advice and something we care about deeply here, gambling picks and analysis to get that extra edge. That never hurts. I know when I turn on CBS Sports HQ, as I told you, I see the tips and trends I need to win my bets. Don't forget, you could get access to all the great coverage completely free. And I don't mean free for a week, free for a month, or if you have some special cable package, or if you put in a keyword, you need none of that. It's totally, completely free for everybody. You don't even need a login. 
Just download the CBS Sports app on your phone, Apple TV, Roku, Fire TV, or other connected devices at any time, or do what I do. Watch CBS Sports HQ online. No fake debates, just sports for real sports fans at the great price of completely free. I love that part. You don't even have to log in or sign up for anything, so download the CBS Sports app and watch CBS Sports HQ today. Great stuff. Let's let's talk a little bit about. I'd like to talk music with you all day, uh, but I know your time is limited, and I appreciate you being here. I wanted to talk a little bit about wrestling. You grew up in Jacksonville. Yep. Uh, were you a Were you a wrestling fan growing up? A championship <laughs> wrestling from Florida. Well, check this out. So when I was young, oh my God, I must have been what nine, ten years old. Uh, my my dad used to take me down to the old. Jacksonville Coliseum, and this was back in the day when you had people like the great Malenko and right and uh, the uh, Mr. Graham, and uh, you know you had uh, Hero Matsuda. You had all these guys, right? The the the, the used to, you know the old wrestlers. You know what I mean? And right. I grew up I grew up loving wrestling. And then uh, when my dad did, when my dad wouldn't take me, I had a next door neighbor. Uh, Russell Bellamy and his dad, well, he loved wrestling, and so did Russell. So as young guys going into teenage years, he used to take us down there. And uh, I've loved – dude, I've been a big fan of wrestling since my early years. And funny thing, uh, you know, I know Michael Hayes really well. Uh, I want to keep Michael on a record. And I've been Michael's, you know, friend for many years. Uh, you know, Michael's got me into some of the shows I've met back in the, you know, in the eighties into the nineties and stuff like that. Uh, here in Fort Myers, I'd go out to the, to the arena here and I got to hang with, you know, Hulk Hogan and, and, uh, Macho Man Randy Savage and all those guys like that. And now, uh, here recently within the last five years, six years, I've gone to the arena here and got to meet Roman Reigns and. And uh, the girls of wrestling, and uh, I mean, just a bunch of people like that. So I'm still a fan. As a matter of fact, I, I let the guys know, uh, Michael know, and Michael's told everybody uh, in the last, you know, five or six years that usually on Monday night I tune into Monday Night Raw and and follow it pretty religiously and try to on Friday night. Except I'm playing on Friday night when they do SmackDown and all that stuff, but I DVR everything so that when I get home, I can run it back and, and you know, and look at it. You know what I mean? I remember, uh, and you know that because you were there. I remember back in 99, 2000, uh, we were doing the millennium tour, uh, with ZZ top and Dusty right. Hill and I would fly in. We must've flew into a half a dozen shows while we were on the road. Me and Dusty would have a couple of days off and we would book an airplane flight together and fly into whatever city that uh, the WCW was at on, on Monday nights and uh, come and sit ringside. Uh, as a matter of fact, not too long ago on YouTube, I was YouTubing a bunch of the old WCW stuff. And here's me and Dusty sitting there, you know. And so as you can see, uh, you know, <laughs> I still follow it. I'm still a fan. And uh you know, I just, I, I absolutely love it. I, I love it still. 
I'll never forget you and Dusty from ZZ Top. Uh, we were at, doing Nitro at the Houston Astrodome. That's it was right. One, during the time we were selling out the domes. And uh, I got a call from you or your manager, what somebody, and uh, said, uh, is it okay if we stop by? I said, sure, yeah, I'll make sure to take care of you. And he <laughs> said, yeah, but we're on, our t- we're on our tour bus. So I had to go to Doug Dillinger, who's the head of security at the time, yeah. and they had to make all these plans to get the tour bus and the Astrodome and all the wrestlers are marking out. And you guys are all we're, we're, we're as big of fans as, as the wrestlers were for you it was a it was a blast i still have pictures from that night hey, you mentioned michael hayes and the fabulous freebirds uh yeah, at the man. time uh at the time that they debuted that they they came on the scene at uh, on tbs and and played that music in the background that that song freebird which made me fall in love with the song and also the tag team but don't tell michael that because he gets a big head but um uh, uh, what were your thoughts on that as somebody who was originally in Skinner and as, as a wrestling fan and, and, and somebody who stayed in touch with them? What were your thoughts on, on, on that whole music and wrestling crossover using that uh, famous song? Well, you know what was really interesting when I, I, can, I can recall the very first time that I saw the Freebirds come walking out. And here's Michael in his, in his sequined cape, you know, and Right. You know, Mr. Pure Sexy, you know, and I uh, I said, what is this? You know, and uh, they debuted, you know, and I saw them and and I was like, wow, check this out. And they're playing free bird and stuff. And from right from the get go, uh, you know, I was fans of that. I mean, I, I you know, <laughs> I look at it, man, as that I, I have followed it so long in my life. And recall a lot of stuff, you know, I mean, uh, we recall a lot of people, Michael Hayes, and I got to be good friends with, with Hulk and, uh, got to be really good friends with Bill Goldberg. And, um, I, I don't know, man, I, I think about it. It's almost like if I really look back on it, it's like a part of my childhood, my teenage years my adulthood and now even into into the years that I'm into right now. It's so funny, man. And uh, I am disappointed that the shield broke up, but Hey, things move, (laughs) things move forward. You know what I mean? And um, they're not getting back together either. One of them left. No, that's kind of a drag because I thought they had something really, really cool and really, uh, really raw and hard hitting, you know, when they were in the game. And, uh, but you know what, man, I'm really happy to see, uh, I got a chance. The band did a, um, a thing. Uh, what was it? It's been on the anniversary of Pearl Harbor and we got invited by the rock Wayne Johnson Wow! to come to Pearl Harbor. He was doing a thing at Hickam field and we got, we went there and played two songs. Uh, that they taped, you know, uh, for one of the channels. I forget which channel it was that he did the special on. And, man, what a thrill it was to stand and talk to that guy. For me, being a wrestling fan and watching The Rock all those years, uh, what a what a treat it was for me to be able to stand there and just have a, just a normal conversation with the guy. And uh, I find him to be a real, you know, a real stand-up, uh, a real stand-up guy, a real gentleman. Uh, I think he's very smart. He's a good businessman. And uh, my hat's off to him, man. But you know what? 
a lot of those guys, my hat's off to them. I just, boy, what athletes. I mean, to get in that ring and do the things that they do just blows my mind. I mean, injuries. Sure. I mean, injuries and everything. I, I Boy, they just, wow, people don't understand. <laughs> you know, I love how somebody go, oh, that stuff is nothing but fake. And I go, you want to know something, dude? Have one of them guys that's about 6'10", 6'11", lift you up straight up over his head and slam you on that mat, and then you tell me how fake it is. You know what I mean? Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, hey. I did, I, I, did an, I did an angle with Kurt Angle, and uh, uh, I looked like the elephant man afterwards. So uh, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm, I'm here to tell you. Hey, speaking of that, you know back in, in the day WCW was doing matches with celebrities. David Arquette right. comes to mind, Jay, Jay Leno. Uh, and I know that you were buddies with Goldberg at, at, at the time as well. I have a picture with you, me, and him that probably will go up to promote this podcast on, yeah. uh, on all the platforms. But, uh, if, 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 if Eric Bischoff would have pitched to you or Goldberg, hey, we want you to come in and do one match where you do a couple of spots as my tag team partner, was that something that you might have been open to doing at the time? Dude, I wanted to do that. I even told Bill that. <laughs> I even told Bill that, man, and and I said, man, we can work it from a couple of different angles where I, you know, where I slam somebody with a baseball bat and throw it away, you know, and pin the guy and win. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, I I would have been, dude, that would have been the biggest thrill for me. It really would have. That's so cool. Hey, getting back real quick to the fabulous Freebirds because it really ties into the the, the whole wrestling and, and music and aspect, and it really it changed my life as a wrestling fan. I was a huge, huge fan of both the song and because you got to remember, I'm 11 years old, so I'm not you know I, I've never really heard Freebird uh, on the radio. Uh, you know, it's a little it was a little bit I was like six or seven when it came out, so uh, you know I got introduced to that song and to the band, and I remember going out and buying the album pronounced Leonard Skinner because uh, of, of that song and so getting back to that um, I know you weren't in the band at the time but I know you've traveled with uh, Gary for 25 years and 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 Billy and, and 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 some of those guys before did you ever get a sense if they were aware of, of the fabulous Freebirds and and what they thought about uh, using their song well they definitely were aware of it I mean, they were really aware of it. Johnny even still, when Michael comes out to see us, I mean, Johnny even still talks about it. Wow. Uh, because, yeah, yeah, they were very aware of it, man. I mean, you know, they thought it was, <laughs> they thought it was very cool, you know? And uh, I don't know, man, you know what? When things happen in your life like that and you're recognized the way uh, some people do, uh, you know what? You um, you take it to heart. You think that it gives you a sense of pride to know that your song has touched people like that. You know what I mean? Sure, absolutely. Um, it touched me as a as a young kid, as a wrestling fan. Yeah, man. Like, and hey, I've been I'll a fan. I've been a fan ever since. One night, uh, this is so weird. One night I'm sitting in my house and I get a call uh, when Enzo Amore was still in the, in the game. Right. Roman Reigns was there. Uh, Braun Strowman was there. And one of the other wrestlers, and they're in a car, they're in a, a car or a van or whatever. 
tra- uh, like transporting to wherever. Enzo calls me up, and they're all singing Sweet Home Alabama. Wow. <laughs> and I got the biggest kick out of that, man. I just thought, wow, this is like the coolest. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I got to tell you, man, I'm very happy for the guys to reach the kind of status that they've reached. I mean, Roman, man, I, I know that he has worked his butt off. You know what I mean? Braun has worked his butt off. Uh, and, and those guys, you know, not really sure what happened with Enzo, but I used to enjoy uh, Enzo and Big Cats, man, when they would come on. Uh, I have some of my favorites nowadays. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I I look at it, and, and you know, I've texted uh, Michael Hayes every once in a while when I'm really kind of sideways on the way a match went and all that <laughs> stuff. But it's all, you know what, man? You get drawn into it. You know what I mean? Sure. <laughs> like, not too long ago, uh, my gal and uh, Stacy, who sings for Kid Rock, she's one of his backing vocalists. Not too many years ago, she says, have you seen this guy, Roman Reigns? And I said, man, yeah, kind of. But, I, you know, I, I was so busy that I wasn't able to get to wrestling at all. And she had started watching it. And she had been watching The Shield, and she'd been seeing Roman. Of course, Roman's a handsome guy, so naturally the woman is going to say, hey, have you seen this guy? You know what I mean? Sure. Well, sure. Um, I I immediately, when I started, I said, I got to go back to what, trying to make it happen to where I can watch this stuff, you know, on a religious basis. So uh, I went back to watching years and years and years ago when the, when the, the Shield was intact. And, man, I was like, who the hell are these guys? Well, I've been watching it ever since, you know. And uh, when the Shield broke up, <laughs> I remember texting Michael going, what kind of BS is this? You know? <laughs> they were like, they were sort of like the modern version of the Fabulous Freebirds, actually, now that you Ab- lay it out like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And How then I was that? really... Then here recently, I got really upset when, when Dean left. And, you know, now he's John Moxley or somebody. And, right. and I was like, man, every time that I get really loving uh, the, something like that, then all of a sudden they're gone. And uh, normally, you know, when I watch, watch the thing, I hate to see when, you know, Roman people about four or five gets on him and beats hell out of him and stuff. I'm thinking... Why is he always getting his ass beat? You know what I mean? <laughs> it seems like he takes an ass whooping every week. So, I don't know. I know it's a build up to other things. I get it. I understand it. Uh, but anyway, whatever. You know, it, it's fun. It's a fun thing. Hey, uh, great stuff, man. And I'm so I'm so appreciative that you were able to come on. It's been something that I've had in the back of my mind since we started this podcast, but I wanted yeah, to make man. sure the timing was right. Hey, uh, last question. I, I saw you at the uh, TIAA Bank Stadium, which the irony of that is is, is totally, uh, when it comes to the wrestling business, is another story because uh, at the time that you guys were playing that stadium in your farewell to Jacksonville show in front of 60,000 people, uh, little 
did we know that the um, the the owners of the of the stadium and the team were uh, planning to start their own promotion that's now on TNT every Wednesday. But and it was right at that time too. But um, but 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 how how was that to go back and home to Jacksonville and play in front of sixty thousand fans? Uh, uh, looked like you were having a blast, and it looks like you're having a blast every night. But it must have been something special for you. Well, you know, we did a sixteen camera shoot of that show. Oh, cool. Uh, it just premiered in 850 theaters for one night. And the actual soundtrack, along with the DVD, you'll get the DVD uh, and I think coming soon and attached to it is a, is the live record. You'll get the DVD live record, both of them. But uh, I got to tell you, man, to go back to Jacksonville and play in front of 57,000 people. Uh, is a real surreal, I mean, it was very surreal standing up there uh, and seeing that. You know what I mean? As a matter of fact, man, I'll tell you something funny. When I was getting ready to go on stage, Doug Moran, who was, who's a real Skinner fan, the coach of Jacksonville. Right. And I don't know if he got mad at me or not, but he was standing next to me. He goes, man, I wish we drew this many people. And I, <laughs> and I went, I went. You start winning some games, you might, you know? Uh, hasn't happened yet. I don't know if he <laughs> – I don't know if he got a little sore at me for that or not, but, Doug, if you happen to hear this, man, I didn't mean nothing by it, you know. But, um, yeah, you know what? That was a great evening for us to cap Jacksonville off where we started uh, in front of our hometown – um, I was so appreciative of the fans and still am. Uh, and, and I'll be honest with you, David, I, I got to tell you, um, we owe, we've said it before and I've said it a million times. Uh, we owe everything to the fans for loving the music, buying the music, coming to see the band. Uh, we wouldn't be where we are today, man, if it wasn't for bottom line for the fans. And, um, I still love, you know, talking to people, man, when they approach me. Uh, I try to spend t- uh, as much time as I can. Uh, and I, I just, you know what, I just love, I love the fans. And I'm so appreciative of them. And uh, all the fans that have seen the band over the years in the listening area that's going to be listening to this, thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I know the band the same thing. Uh, for all the years of supporting Leonard Skinner music, Coming to see the band, you're you're never forgotten, flat out. Well, Ricky, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's been uh, something special. Uh, maybe if you're up here during WrestleMania weekend, uh, I could buy you a drink. But if not, I uh, hope to see you down the road. Uh, you've always been a first-class act. And uh, and thank you for everything you've done and for coming on the podcast. And uh, and, and good best of luck to all the guys. Give my, my best bet. to Gary and, and all them. Uh so I'll God bless you, and thank you so much. You bet. I'll tell you, I've never been to I've never been to a WrestleMania. Uh, never have gone to one. And uh, at some point here, I would like to go to one. You know, so one of these days, uh, you just might see me at one of them. You know. Well, you know, yeah, you're, it's right up the road, and you know, Michael Hayes. I, I would say I could help you out, but Michael Hayes is a much better contact than I am to get you. Oh, uh, Michael's up, often so. said. Michael's often said, Ricky, if you want to go to WrestleMania. Give me a shout. We'd love to have you, you know. So I might just do that. When, WrestleMania is what in 
April? Is it April? April April 5th, the first Sunday in April. Yes, sir. Man, I might be able to make that. I got to keep that on my uh, calendar (laughs) attention and and maybe, uh, maybe trek up there and see it, you know? That would be awesome. It'd be great to catch up. And uh, thanks again so much, and best of luck. Say hi to the guys for me, please. You bet, David. Stay in touch, man. Take care. Huge thank you to Ricky Medlock for jumping on and hope to see him WrestleMania weekend and uh, love to see him uh, be like a kid in a candy store at WrestleMania. And you can tell how excited he gets about it, how how upset he gets if the, they beat up Roman Reigns, obviously, who's his favorite wrestler. And, um, and, and, and it's just so f- much fun to hear guys that, uh, you know, that are famous in it for other uh reasons uh you know to hear about their love of wrestling growing up and and how it's continued in their life at this point so um uh huge how cool was that jerry it was it was it was cool and uh, i have goosebumps in it i want to thank ricky again and um guys if you get a chance if you if you haven't seen them they're only like he said they're only touring for a couple more years and only select dates at that uh but if you get a chance to see him if you haven't or even if you have man it's an amazing show and i could watch them do play Freebird every night uh for the rest of my life and it never gets old uh it's an amazing song and they do it justice and uh great guy great bunch of guys so um look forward to maybe uh hooking up with them down the road and uh thank uh thank ricky for coming on and we're hoping for more big things uh in the future on city ringside so uh keep on following us you can follow me on twitter at david penzer all one word you can follow the show at penzer ringside uh and we are working on some big names ladies and gentlemen so as if you could get any bigger than ricky medlock but we're working on some big names and we're going to try to outdo ourselves in the weeks and months and years to come and uh if you like what you hear tell a friend uh be sure to subscribe if you don't already and leave a review if you can thank you so much ladies and gentlemen as we get to the holiday season i really appreciate uh all the support of this podcast and i appreciate the guys at radio influence so thank you to them for making this happen and uh who'd have known two years later and uh we just had ricky medlock on the freaking podcast who the hell would ever believe it so ladies and gentlemen that's all for this week until next week i'm still city ringside see ya follow david penzer on twitter at david penzer also make sure to follow the show on twitter at penzer ringside you've been sitting ringside with david penzer on radio influence Hey gang, Jerry P. Tuck here, co-host of A Place for My Head. Each week, Brandon Thompson and I are going to be talking about the importance of mental health. We're going to be talking everything from stress, anxiety, different mental illnesses, different chronic illnesses, and frankly, the rigors of everyday life and how we all struggle to get through it. We're not medical professionals, but we are looking to start that conversation that needs to be had about the stigma around mental illness and how it affects us every single day. We'll talk to experts, but at the end of the day, A Place for My Head is all about real people with real stories about real life. Check out A Place for My Head with Brandon Thompson and myself, Jerry P. Tuck, each week on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.